What's good about today that never used to exist years ago, you can do pop-ups. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money. You can find locations that you can take your product. You don't have to have a big facility. You don't have to have big backing to do it. You can do it on a small budget and you can get to see how people react to your product. Welcome to the Profitable Table, fed by Wolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the restaurant industry. Now, here's your host, Wolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hey everybody, this is Stephen Toberoff and welcome to the Profitable Table. And today I am super excited because I have an unbelievable pair of guests here. They're Jeff and Monica Cohen of the Big Cookie Company. I met Jeff by happenstance when I was walking around my warehouse. He was here picking up products for his cookies. We got to talking and I was just so fascinated by the story that we became friends and I've seen him around and just so happy that he and his wife were to come in with the podcast. So welcome to both of you and Jeff, would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got started in this cookie business? Sure, Steve. It was always, actually, the real story goes back to 2000, believe it or not, goes back to actually 1978 and 79. We kid about it, my wife and I, but I actually, I got my wife with a brownie. (laughs) I had a grandmother who was a phenomenal baker, and I met my lovely wife, and she told me she liked brownies, and I called my grandmother in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I said, Grandma, I met a woman that I'd like to impress. Could you, wow. do, could you do me a favor? Could you send me the brownie recipe? And also she said to me, well, I'll send you the brownie recipe, but I'll also send you the pan to make it in. And so that started my interest in baking. And then in 2008, when the market crashed, and I have my other business, my audiovisual and IT business, I decided that I had time and I was going to start baking seriously at that time. And so I started making my big cookies back then, only to find that the gentleman I was doing it with, unfortunately, decided he wanted to go back to be a chef. And so I had to put it on hold. And then my lovely wife in October of 2017 said, hey, you know, I'm going to be retiring. You always wanted to do this. Why don't we do it now? That's awesome because so many people love baking and so many people you know, have these great recipes, but I love it when someone actually goes from that point to actually start morphing it into a business because it's that level of commitment that is great. Now, when we were talking, Jeff, and I know from your passion, because every time I talk to you, you're telling me about the phenomenal ingredients you put in, and these are unbelievable cookies, but you're very fortunate because I know that Monica is really heavily involved in the business side of it. Monica, can you tell us a little bit about how that works in terms of, I know you've got a super passionate baker there in Jeff. You're handling the other side. How do you two collaborate on this, particularly as you have this startup that's taking off like wildfire? Well, it's easy for me to do what I do because it comes so naturally, and it's very easy for him to do because it comes so naturally, and he has such a passion and has always for years and years and years, as long as I know him. He's wanted to do this. I'm always the guy that says, well, but let's look at the bottom line. And well, let's look at, you know, how we're going to do that. And let's look at what that means dollar-wise, you know. So the way that I really 
don't have the passion to do the baking. I have the passion to do the marketing and to make those numbers work. So I think we have a great partnership here. That is a great partnership because I think that, and and this is something we discuss a lot on this uh, podcast, you can have an unbelievable concept and you can have unbelievable everything, but it's very important to have the business side of things equally focused on, maybe maybe even more so. And when you can split that up, it's really a gift. Now, you're located in New Hope, which is an unbelievable town. What is it like operating your bakery? Well, I know your bakery is in New Jersey, but your store is in New Hope. What are some of the things that you like about New Hope? Because I remember going there on visits, and it's it's such a great, great town. Well, New Hope, it's very interesting. When you're around Christmas time, it almost feels like you're in a Charles Dickens novel. It's such a wonderful town, and they do such nice things to the town itself. People love to go out there. They love to walk around. Even before we opened the store there or, you know, our booth there, we literally, for birthdays, for different occasions, Monica and I would go out there and stay in bed and breakfast out there. And it would just be, it just has a, a wonderful feeling. The people are very welcoming and, and nice out there. And they get a tremendous amount of foot traffic. And one of the things from my perspective that I have always deemed as the most important thing for us is to be in a place where there's good foot traffic because that's what you need to be successful or part of what you need to be successful in in selling cookies or for that matter anything else. And the fact that we get, you know, thousands and thousands of people walking through the market each week is is great for us. What percentage of your customers do you think you're now getting? And again, this is just ballpark, but you must be getting, because your cookies are so big, they're so unique, you have such great ingredients. Do you get a feeling that your existing customers are serving as almost ambassadors for your brand where you're getting people coming in and saying, this person told me about your great Nutella cookie or whatnot? I think there's a large portion of our customers come back. We get a tremendous repeat business. And not only that, but I sometimes will get a call that someone told them about our cookies, and we get that also. You know, people know that we use the best ingredients on the planet. We're willing to use vanilla bean paste from Madagascar in our in our cookies. You know, most bak- bakers can't and, and don't do that. Everybody seems to realize that they're getting the best of what they could get in a cookie. You know, from from the business side of things, which I know is your focus, it's it's almost like it's smarter business to use the best ingredients than to view the ingredients as the area where you're going to start making decisions that impact the dollars and cents of a company. I've always found that to be an enormous mistake when I speak to people in the restaurant or the bar business. That's not an area that you need to be looking at saving pennies. Would you agree? Oh, my God. I think that's number one. Number two also is we truly educate the people who work for us to discuss how we make the cookies, what they're made of, and really get that point across that we really try to make our cookies very low in sugar content. We also use the best products, the best butters, Belgian chocolates, European, you know, everything that he uses is the best, and that's important. You know, when I'm thinking about cookies and bakeries, talking to you guys reminds me of when I first met the owner, whose name escapes me now, of Magnolia Bakery many years ago when we were in the West Village. She had come in and was looking to buy oranges, of all things. She just opened on Bleecker Street. And 
within a very short amount of time, that bakery, and this was before social media, but I'm going to use a social media term, went viral. You've made the decision to have your cookies be very big, and hence the name Big Cookie Company. Jeff, was that a decision that came out of your preference as a baker, or was that more of a marketing strategy? The strategy, the big, the big cookie company. I owned, actually owned the domain since back in the oh, like two thousand nine or two thousand ten, and we had other names that we liked. But in effect, we had people that sort of, as we were doing William Sonoma when we first started there, we had people that came to us and we were using another name at the time. And they said, you know, the name you're using really we don't feel is good for kids. And, you know, if we could tell you just uh, advice. And and so we really thought about it and we owned the Big Cookie Company. And it really was, I was already, we were already making, everything we were making was big. And so it sort of really fit well with the product that we were making. And it just, we owned it and it made it very easy to switch. I like the idea of a big cookie. I remember another one of our accounts, a great bakery called Bake My Melissa. She did something very unique by coming up with super small cupcakes because she said I would get a dozen cupcakes and I'd wind up eating them all. And so she created that. But I think by having big cookies, one, it gives you an opportunity to be more experimental, I think. Two, if you look at what's been going on with Black Tap, and they're incredibly elaborate milkshakes. I think people want something truly spectacular and visual with their baked goods. When people, in other words, when people are going to indulge, they really want to indulge. And from a marketing standpoint, Monica, and I'm curious your thoughts, when you were kind enough to bring me your Reese's peanut butter cookie, I ate the whole thing. I didn't split it with anybody. I didn't share it. So do you find that when people are buying your cookies, they're splitting it? Or do you think, you know what, even though it's big, people are going all the way in and indulging and you're not really losing any sales on a per unit basis? Well, it's it's funny you should ask that because we make a point of our one of our largest cookies is a half pound peanut butter Nutella cookie. And I tell everyone and that works for us that's selling the cookie, we always ask, especially if there's a family right there, you know, with kids, and even if there's not, that we offer them to cut the, the cookies are all big. Can we cut the cookie in half or in quarters for you? It's just easier to eat that way. Mm-hmm. And most people will say yes. Few people say, no, I'm just going to pick it up and I'm going to eat that cookie. Okay. And we like to do that because it's a visual. I trained the people that work for us. When you cut it, it's really important that you cut down with the knife and then pull it through to the side because then you open up that cookie and you can't imagine how much peanut butter and how much Nutella you see. And I think with marketing, it's all visual. And I think it's really important to do that. And because people say, when we say, well, if you're going to share it, we'll cut it. And And when we cut it, what happens is, they get to see not just not the inside, but we also get to educate them about you have to slide the, the knife through. And it's almost like a whole sexy thing with the cookie that happens. Yeah. And everybody's, ooh, and ah. And, you great. know, it's really a lot of fun. Everybody starts laughing. And it's part of the fun. It's part of the fun of the cookie. And, and it's interesting because everybody will say the same thing. Oh, I'm only going to eat a little bit of this cookie right now. Right. <laughs> and That's what I we, said. We literally have people, Steve, they'll stand there. I had a woman a couple of weeks ago. She stood there. She We debated about which cookie she was going to buy. She bought the cookie. She was there with her husband. She took two bites out of the cookie. She goes, oh, I have to save this for later. And she continued to talk to me. And by the time she was done, she ate the entire cookie standing in front of me. Yeah, and our goodbye to them always is because it is the God's honest truth. 
We put a few napkins in their bag because we say to them, because everybody that comes back tells us they never make it home in the car. <laughs> and it's the truth. They don't. I can believe that. <laughs> I, I didn't make it back to my office. So you are now actualizing the dream of so many people. You've gone from being somebody that has a love of baking. You now have your store. You're selling it. It's big hit on social media, big hit everywhere. So what are the next steps? In other words, strategically, you've got a great product. You've got great exposure in the store. Internet's available, scaling it. What do you need to do if, in, you know, because some people, they, they, they get this, something goes viral and they're faced with a challenge like, gee whiz, this is blowing up so fast. What are the next steps, do you think, for people that have a company such as yours, beautiful baked goods, it's taking off, there's demand for it around the world and regionally. How do you proceed to, to, to actually satisfy that demand? Oh, gee, I thought you were going to tell us how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, like I had mentioned before, before we started the podcast, when we developed this right from the get-go and we had our first retail operation open in New Hope, Pennsylvania, October 1st, in my mind, it was to build something, build a brand, and build something that merchandised could be translated to any location very easily. It really has not cost us a lot to put together this location we have put it together and people walk up to it and they gasp and they say, oh, my God, this you must be a franchise. And we say, no, 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 we're not. It's just a mom and pop. But I could take, you know, in the 10 months I'm there, I've started my, uh, you know, business handbook for any employee that gets handed and then gets, you know, verbally tested and, you know, all this kind of thing. It's translating and making sure we've perfected it in one location and then taking what we have and just pick it up, move it, put it down and just build from there. I think that once you've got something that's really successful, repeat it. And that's where we're at. I I really like that because the nice thing about this concept is if you're baking the goods off-site, then you can have facilities set up throughout multiple locations. They don't have to be super large. The product speaks for itself. And it's almost as if the stands themselves can serve as marketing vehicles in addition to retail establishments because so much business is being transacted via the internet now. And you have, and especially with cookies, you have insomnia cookies, which did this whole thing about cookies within, I think it's 24 hours or whatever they do. So I love the idea, not a pop-up, but just really charming, appropriately sized locations where people can see the cookies, try them, but then they're thinking about it and you can then direct them to buy more online, which is great. That's exactly what we do because as we're standing there selling, it's inevitable. People say, can I get this online? Because you know, if they're visiting New Hope, and they're not locals. A lot of most locals are, you know, been in and they repeat and they come back. We say, yeah, there's our card. And, you know, then we'll, you know, go to our phones and go to our Instagram and we do trays and we've sold to Netflix and Comedy Central. And we're this little company, but there are people out there that know about it and continue to buy from us. If I remember, Jeff, you were telling me a story. I think it was Aziz Ansari that went crazy for these cookies on Netflix. Right, it was Hassan Minaj. Hassan Minaj, excuse uh, me. We had we had a, a very good situation with Jordan Klepper, who had the op- has the opposition or had the opposition at Comedy Central, and he really liked our stuff, 
And he actually had his folks reach out to us and had Monica put together a beautiful, she does the marketing and, and takes the cookies and makes the trays and things, made a beautiful tray. And I delivered it to 57th Street to the, to the studio right before, right during the first filming of Netflix and his, Patri- his new Patriot Act show. And we delivered it and his, uh, Jordan actually had Monica write a beautiful note that we included with the tray. And at the end of it, it's uh, Jordan said, and if there are any cookies left, please return them. <laughs> and so Hassan posted on Instagram saying, Jordan, thanks so much for the cookies on and on a little bit. And then he said, and by the way, thanks, but none left to send back. <laughs> that's so, that's so, great. And I, so many, so many companies are leveraging that relationship with people. And I'm not even just talking about celebrities. I'm talking about people on Instagram. They can be food influencers or even just an image on Instagram. Like I can guarantee you that if people see, I'm just picking out the one that I tried, but I'm sure you have tons of other. If people see that Nutella peanut butter cookie, that that's, that's going to go on fire and the quality and everything. What would you say to someone who's listening and there's a lot of them that have a passion for baking. They feel they have something really special and they're dying to dip their toe into seeing if they can make a go of it as a business, but they're, you know, they're nervous. What do you think is the most important things for them to consider from the beginning? Well, I, I, I think the one thing people need to do who are really passionate about what, what they have is to one, never sell themselves short, meaning you know, don't don't take shortcuts to get someplace. Definitely, uh, if you're a baker and you, whatever you use for your products, if that's what you use, don't let people convince you to do otherwise. Make sure you make the product that you really think is important. And what's good about today in the marketplace that never used to exist years ago is that you can do pop-ups, meaning that you don't have to spend a whole lot of money you can find locations that you can take your product. You don't have to have a big facility. You don't have to have big backing to do it. You can do it on a on a small budget, and you can get to see how people react to your product. And you can start to build a business by going from sort of pop-up to pop-up and try to build up some equity and then take it and scale it from there, which is honestly what we did because we as we uh, – Monica said before we started, you know, we started doing pop-ups at Williams-Sonoma and they were very successful. People really loved our products and people kept coming back. And, you know, that was very cost effective for us. It's awesome because it's like people have dreams and sometimes I think they move too many steps ahead instead of focusing on the immediate process in front of them. You know, people need to be patient People need to commit to the fact that it does take time. You said something very important, Jeff, which is to be authentic and true. In a world that we live in now, I think a lot of times it's easy to compare yourself to other people and people do that with negative results. But the ones that I find are successful in this business, restaurants, because it's let, let's face it, there's a tremendous amount of artistry in what you do, what restaurants do, what bars do. The ones that are authentic and stay true to themselves – and you're very fortunate because Monica handling the business side, somebody that gets it that, hey, I'm committed to using the highest quality ingredients or whatever I need to do. Have you ever explored 
certain creations and after trying them, you said, you know what, we tried this, it, it just didn't work? Or has it just been a situation where every recipe you've put out has been something that there's been just demand for and you just kept it going? So spending my life in the IT business, it's very funny that in the software business, people, when they make the first of anything, they call it beta one. And I actually do the same thing with whether it's a cookie or it's a bar or it's whatever it is. I make it the first time. I say, this is beta one. And I'll continue to morph the product, say next version will be beta two, until I get to the one that I really feel is ready for prime time. And then I, I call that the RTM or ready to manufacture. And we sort of laugh about it because, you know, people think it's very funny. But I'm very focused on trying to make the right things that people like. I'm always open to the feedback, and you always should be open to the feedback of what people tell you. Because uh, just because you think you have something great, it's that would be wonderful. But then you might be standing in your own closet with nothing, as opposed to having people that really like a product that you're going to make. So... I'm always interested in feedback from clients and to see what they have to say about my product. And I'm never close to trying to make it better because I think if you are close to making it better and you think you always have it, I think that has a way of putting a limitation on where you can go and how good you'll ever be. And honestly, if I ever find that there's a product that I don't like and it happens, I have somebody in the bakery that works with me and I give him all of the, I call them the rejects. And I'm happy to give them the rejects. It's no problem. But I would not want to serve to a client anything I haven't tasted, tested, and made sure that other people feel that we have the right product. That's awesome, being open-minded. Monica, you said a couple things that really stuck with me. One, which had to do with the actual storefront that you've created in New Hope and how that you know, looks and how people are so impressed with it. The other was the people. It's been my experience, particularly when dealing with restaurants, it's a little bit different with bakery, but it's still incredibly important. People often ask me, you know, what's the most important thing with the restaurant? Is it the, what if the, the food or a great cocktail? And I say, to be honest, from a business standpoint, it's the human beings that your customers interact with. Because people can handle if they get a bad meal or a bad cocktail, but if they're treated rudely, they're not coming back no matter how great it is. And if they have a phenomenal experience with the bartender, the host, the waiter, they'll give you another chance. From the perspective of your storefront in New Hope and the ones you're going to open, how much, well, I guess with respect to the design of the store, I, that's got to be something that's so important and so valuable for the overall brand of Big Cookie. And two, how do you train and reinforce people so that the interactions with the customers are not only informational, as you'd said, but, but something where they say, wow, this is a place where I feel comfortable. I want to come back. Well, without a doubt, every employee we have has been told and we follow through that, you know, I hate to say the cliche that customers always right. It's not even about that. We want our customers satisfied. And we've really never had anybody bring back a cookie or anything like that. But, you know, if it's somebody's birthday and they're buying a cookie or if it's somebody's anniversary, we give a little tiny discount. You know, I mean, what's the big deal? Exactly. You know, it's a celebration, you know, and we have people that are repeat customers who get discounts. You know, I mean, if they come back and they're giving me our slots of trays or they're ordering all the time or 
We have one elderly gentleman that he buys six brownies at a time. Now, they're half a pound, and he's been hoarding them, his wife tells us. <laughs> well, he's on our way down there, you know, when we get down on Saturdays and Sundays because we're always there on weekends. We drop them off at his house. That's awesome. You know, I mean, what's the big deal? Working I think that is so smart. To do, you know, it's making people happy. That's our ultimate goal, really, with the cookies. So it's just that little added incentive or an extra cookie and a platter that somebody's ordered platters from you several times. What's the big deal? You know, it's not going to make or break our business. That's awesome. You know, it's funny because I do one-minute sound bites on the Profitable Table Instagram account, and one of the points that I've made, and I really believe this is true, is the best marketing dollars you can spend are on the people that walk through your door because everything is referral. And so by focusing on happiness... And by making the customers not just feel, but really know from your actions that they're acknowledged, that they're cared about, you're building raving fans. Very famous book about that that I can't remember the title of, but you want to build raving fans, and I know you guys are, because I'm a raving fan. I've told everybody, you got to try these cookies. Well, it's funny because I just happened the other day. It was right before July 4th. We got an order online, and it happened to be from, we had done a party. We had catered a party of cookies. And a few weeks ago, someone was retiring. And so this was someone that came through that party, just came online and said, do you remember me? Blah, 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 blah. Well, they live in the next town over from us. So we offered, and they needed them for July 5th, Friday morning, they were leaving for the shore. Well, we saw this came in and there wasn't a lot of time. We said, you know what? We'll just drop them off at your house. And they were blown away. And we said, no, no, no. You want to take them down the shore. You're going tomorrow to your sons. You know, and, uh, what's the big deal? We're on our way out to go to Ferry Market down to New Hope. We'll just deliver them. You know, it took how much? Ten minutes out of our way to deliver them to someone's door because we weren't going to be there when they would be there. You make it happen. This interview, I, I hope everyone that's listening knows this, that this interview is an absolute blueprint that can be followed for success in this business because you're hearing everything from passion in the product attention to detail, going the extra mile for customers, taking the time, sampling things, being a listener. These are the ingredients that lead to restaurants, hotels, bakeries that are profitable and successful for years and decades. Now, both of you have come to this career, this this business, after doing other careers do you find that your prior life, I know, Jeff, you were head of IT for a major corporation, and Monica, you were in charge of... Well, I was a business teacher, yeah. and then I was um, a supervisor in Livingston Public Schools, and then I was the educational technologist at the end of my career, and I did 6,000 laptops, surface laptops with you know kids and teachers and all the training that went with and all that. Do you find all of those different experiences, even though they're not necessarily bakeries, quote-unquote, do you feel that some of the lessons you've been able to translate into this business or is it just a totally new type of experience? A hundred percent of what I did before makes this what I do now. Wow. That's what it is. How so? Tell me. Well, when I had to convince at Board of Ed meetings, you know, a whole community to do what we wanted to do, the desire was to bring technology into the classrooms and to use it in an educational manner, you know, in physics and in calculus and, you know, that's, that's what you do. It was persuading a whole community to do certain things a certain way, and whether they wanted Macs or they wanted surfaces. I mean, surfaces at the time were the right way to go. It was dealing with the public. Dealing with people. Yeah. People are the most difficult and the most important part of any business, right, Jeff? I see Jeff shaking his head on that one. 
Basically, I don't care whether, you know, when when JetBlue went into business or other businesses that I've been associated with that have been customer-focused, customer-focus is the most important part or the most important input ingredient you can have because the people, as you said before, you know, you made, made mention of how important the customer is, and, and it's really true. I mean, yeah, the customers can be difficult, there's no doubt, but at the end of the day, the bottom line is uh, whether, you, whether we get them to taste a cookie or whether, whatever it takes to get somebody and make them happy. Because if they're happy with your product and they see the same things that you see in it, and the reasons I love to go out to New Hope and I love to meet the customers is because I have a passion for the product and I feel like I can help it at times directly influence those people to at least give it a try. And I think that's all you need. You need to treat people right. If something goes wrong, it never hurts to to treat them correctly. I don't care what it is, whether it's a delivery that's not, you know, doesn't get wherever it's supposed to be or something happens. And we've been very fortunate and we, we've had little or no problems yeah. whatsoever. But, you know, whatever problem I have had, if, I, if a customer said, oh, gee, I didn't like that one as much as maybe I the other one, I had no problem handing them the other one and saying this one's on us. Yep. No, so true, so smart. And I, I think people are the most important part of the equation in any business, whether it's the staff or whether it's the customer. I also think that we're entering a moment in time, interestingly enough, where bakeries and baked goods and indulgences are going to become even more popular because it's an odd thing, but I'm seeing it on my end of the equation with the different restaurants that we sell. While on the one hand, you're getting people getting a little bit more conscious about health and plant-based and all that stuff. On the other side, when they're doing that, it makes it easier for them to to have that indulgence, to have those cookies, to do those things they like. And the other thing, which I keep going back to, but I think it's true, it's not, from a marketing standpoint, sometimes it's not enough to have a great cookie, it's to have a hook. And these big cookies, you know, the, the unique attribute of having a, what is it, a six ounce or an eight ounce cookie on the Nutella? The Nutella is actually an eight ounce cookie. Right. That's an unbe- that's an unbelievable differentiating factor. A lot of bakers wouldn't have the courage, maybe I'd say, I don't know, or the vision to do something like that. It, it really is unbelievable. This has been, and I, I must say, you've been doing this for how long, you guys, the, the big cookie company in terms of when did you open the New Hope store? October 1st. Okay. So the wisdom that I'm getting from this and the way you guys are running this business and the way that you are handling every aspect of it is as insightful and as appropriate, as brilliant, whatever you want to say, as people who've been doing it for 20, 30 years. Because I see the same ingredients. And when people fail to adhere to some of these core principles, it, it just doesn't work. And you've got them all. My last question is this. If there's one cookie that you don't have now, we'll ask a fun one. What are you working on now, Jeff, if anything? A little bit of a secret you could let us know about because I know the Nutella thing, but there's got to be something going on in that in that kitchen. If you're willing to share it with us, we don't want to let everybody else know because they might copy it, but something, <laughs> although no one can copy it because there's that there's something about baking, and this I learned a long time ago from my mother. It's not the ingredients. It's not the recipes. There's something about it that's indefinable, undefinable. 
by the baker translating it into this finished product, the love, the care that no one can replicate. But if there's one, or even if it's something you're not working on, just just some thought on baking that we may not know. Go ahead. You know, there are things that I really want to do and, you know, sort of moving in directions. We, I have uh, come up recently, come up with a very interesting magic bar and it is, it's, magic. it's really magic. It's, wow. it's like blowing right off the shelf. And now I have other ideas about the magic bar because I'm never satisfied with uh, one go around because I think now I can vary it and make other interpretations of it. And that's what I'm starting to work on because mm-hmm. I think that, that people like the first one so much. You know, I mean, we're just a small operation. And in three weeks, we went through almost 400 of them. Wow. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of one product. Amazing. You know, and uh, our stuff is not inexpensive. The Magic Bar is a $6 item. So, you know. That's awesome. It's a lot of them. So I'm hoping to come up with parallels that don't step on. That's the one thing you always have to be careful about is that when you make other products, they don't step on the products you already are selling and have for sale. Jeff and Monica Cohen, the big cookie company in New Hope, Pennsylvania, available online Many facilities coming down the pike, I'm sure. This has been a real pleasure and, and a real learning experience for me. I'm so grateful that you guys came in and took the time to talk to me because it's underscored so many things that I believe and I've learned a lot. Monica, go ahead. No, I was just going to say thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. Oh, no. It was it was really my pleasure. It, it shows that you get started in a business, you do it the right way, you lay that foundation, and, and the sky is the limit for you guys. The cookies are unbelievable. The company is big cookie company, and the wisdom in this, I would advise everyone that's interested in starting any kind of business, expanding your business, listen to this podcast again because I can guarantee you that what Jeff and Monica shared with us are fundamental attributes to be successful. Do what they're saying. Learn from this podcast. And uh, this was something really special, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time. We thank you for having us. My pleasure. That was such an informative and incredible interview with Monica and Jeff Cohen of Big Cookie Company. As always, I want to recommend a book. And this interview reminded me of one of the most important books I've read in terms of business, and it's called Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard and Sheldon Bowles. And when you think about the stories that uh, Monica and Jeff were telling us and how they just go above and beyond for every customer, they're not building satisfied customers there. They're creating raving fans, and raving fans are what really enables a restaurant, bakery, bar, hotel to scale and stay relevant for a very long time. So that was a great interview. I highly recommend the book Raving Fans. Let me know if you've read it and what you think of it, or if you do decide to read it, I'd love your thoughts. And as always, I'm looking for great book recommendations myself, so any great book recommendations, please put them in the comments section of The Profitable Table on Instagram. You can email me and uh, let me know, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. 
And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net.